today, we are very happy to have Steve from Verlio, which is currently based in the United States. Right, Verlio is a multimedia content creation platform that powers modern content creators and SEO agencies. So hi, Steve. Would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? Thanks for having me. So my name is Steve Pakras. I'm based in Denver, Colorado in the United States. Uh, I am the CEO of a company called Verblio. We are a platform, we are a content creation marketplace platform. So what that means is we have a, there's two parts of our business. We have a marketplace of 3,000 highly curated writers that are all freelancers. And we have a SaaS platform for content creation for how we can deliver quality content at scale for every vertical or for every niche. And we write about 80,000 pieces of content per year um, for over 1,000 clients every single month. Um, and we've been in business for about 10 years. We've, uh, we've grown about 400% in the last four years. So uh, we are excited to be part of the massive increase in, uh, in content as a marketing strategy, which I think is a really good place. Uh, I think it's the right move for marketing, and I think it's really uh, help, the right move for freelancers too. The whole world seems to, you know, uh, has come to the recognitions that, you know, how important content marketing is to every businesses and everyone. So what are some of the big content trends um, that you see, uh, you know, for 2021 um, and the, that all businesses of all sizes cannot ignore? Yeah, I think you really hit on something. Content is out of, is is. Content, I wrote an article last year that said uh, content was king and now it got promoted. Like what is better than king? There's, it was always powerful. It's a way of telling your own story. It's a way of resonating with what a customer wants to see at their own leisure. And it's up to you to tell the story in a way that's compelling to them. And that's really, that just like mean, that just feels like the right way to communicate in the modern marketplace where there's so much control by the customer. Um, but before there were a lot of competing marketing channels and many of those marketing channels just weren't accessible after COVID started. And so content became even more powerful because of its effectiveness and because there were other, there are a few other options at the same time. So what I saw as far as trends went is anybody who could, uh, you know, there are a lot of companies that struggled, of course, and, and it was especially hard on the small businesses, which I'm sure happened in your part of the world too. But the companies that knew they were going to survive and go big started putting more and more into content. We've seen the biggest orders come in that we've ever seen. We have clients doing 1,200 articles a month with us right now because it is their most effective channel and they see the payoff quickly. And so one of the biggest trends is thinking of content less as something that you need to do as a marketing channel. So you know, I have to write five blogs a month because if I don't write one a week, then the lights aren't on in marketing and changing that perspective to what I call content is a competitive advantage. Thinking about what could I do with content that nobody else can, because I have a partner like Verblio in particular, you don't necessarily have to use us, but if you could create as much content as you want with writers who got your space and understood you, what could you do? Could you flood the market with more content than your competition keep keep up with? So anytime someone does a search, they will always find you. And once you start it, they can't keep up. And so we see a lot more clients doing that. Uh, that's trend one. The second was a lot of focus on repurposing content. So I think this is the age of figuring out uh, there's so much content out there. Nobody needs another blog. Nobody needs like it's like there is a massive amount. And so because there's so much competition and so much commoditization of content, two big trends came out of that. One is repurposing. 
So taking existing content that you have and finding a way to make it more powerful, look at your top 25% of your blogs, your white papers, which ones are getting the most traffic and infuse them with new keywords, new writing, bring them to life again, modernize them. And you might get a lot more impact than you would get from writing fresh new content. So we're doing a lot of refreshes. We're also taking a lot of um, the different channels. So I also have a podcast and I would much rather do content by talking because I love talking to interesting people. <laughs> and I'm if I sit down in front of a screen, I'm, I look, I think I'm an okay writer, but it's really hard for me. And I know great writers can write fast and it just comes to them and it's natural and it's not for me. So we take my podcast and we turn it into a blog and then we turn it into a video. And so a lot of people are coming to us with whatever channel that they're most comfortable in or they have the most content in and creating different content types out of it. So we, we acquired a video platform three years ago and we offer video where we take the blogs, we turn them into videos really quickly. We're doing the same thing with podcasts and turning those into summaries too. I mean, in, in our business, right, of, of finding the right freelancers for the clients, a lot of it has to do with, you know, the personality, whether the writers know your business tone, your style, and the personal, um, you know, your personal, um, I would say business personality, etc. So in um, in, in v, uh, Vertlio, right, how do you actually then go about identifying the right writer for the right businesses? Um, and then how we find writers is, we have a very, we've really rethought how the system works. So the typical outsourcing model and most platforms have a, what I'll call more of a command and control allocation model. You're doing matching the client. You, you see what the client needs. Uh, you have an intake form to try to understand their style, their content level, their level of subject matter expertise. And then you try to find them a writer. Um, and this happens very frequently, but it's a really hard thing to do at scale. And it's also really slow um, that, so if you're doing it with, you know, we're doing it with over a thousand clients every month, we're adding a hundred new ones every single time. It just can't work that way. So our model is to have the writers match themselves to the client with both sides taking risk. And so our platform tries to get as much information from the client as possible to put it into the platform about who they are. Our favorite question is what's an example of content that you think is good? Because the concept of quality in a subjective space is very challenging. But if they put something objective down and you see it, you can match yourself. Uh, and so we have 40 verticals that we write, to, we, we write for. Our writers have all have to prove themselves out for dentistry, health, sports, engineering, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and lots of marketing. And so when a client makes a post, every new client that comes on is an opportunity for our clients to to find a consistent client for them to write for. So they're basically auditioning for that client. They'll put in a post, uh, they'll write an article, and then the client will say whether they accept it or not. And so if they accept it, they're generally going to like you as a writer and want you to write a lot for them. And then they put you onto their, basically their team. And so we try to have a team of freelancers for each client. Um, and because of that, the writers are doing the matching much quicker. Our turnaround times are faster than anybody else's in the industry because the writers really are not, uh, instead of being allocated and saying, you need to complete this much by then, they're forming their own schedule. They're choosing their own work. They're applying for the work that they think they fit for, but also work that might be really interesting for them. A lot of them, 50% of our topics are in the category of other, meaning that 
half of our work is for subject matter expertise and half is for the long tail of any topic ever. We write about the craziest things and a lot of our writers are just looking for a break and who wants to write about the exact same, about forklift technology every single day of your life? It's, it's an opportunity to have more. So we think that's a better model both for the client to find your team. We think it's faster. And the other thing I love about it is it separates. I think there's a challenge in the freelancer industry, especially with images where you're showing your picture, where it can, uh, it can really hurt diversity because clients might be picking based on your picture and what you look like, as opposed to what your talents are and what you can do. And when you're only showing your piece of writing, we think that's a more equitable system as well. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's that's great because I think uh, at the end of the day, it's really the skill sets that matters, right? So in that sense, then how do you actually go about searching for the um I would say the the writers that you think is suitable for your clients? Do you go about looking for them, or do they actually come to you for the freelance writer? Yeah, this is um, I mean, so this is what I've seen over the last seventeen years is getting talent to come to you if you have reasonably paying, good paying opportunities. You're a fair system. You have a good culture. They know they can rely on you and there's opportunities is easy. The hardest part is to build it. So there are those great opportunities for freelancers to go to. So our job is more curating the talent. And so we think of that in a couple levels. The first is we have a, there's an objective piece of writing. Do you know your punctuation, your structure? And we have an objective writing test that about 4% of writers pass when they come to our, to our site. So that does a lot of the work up front. And then the next question is, are, are our clients going to like these writers and going to like their work? And are the writers going to like working for us and for those clients? And so after that, we, they basically sort themselves out. If you're selling a lot of your content and you're finding a lot of clients, you're going to write a lot for Verblio. You're going to find this as a platform. It's a home for you. We have a forum where the where the writers hang out and basically can send messages back and forth. It's like their workplace. Um, and if people aren't accepting your work and you're just not matching yourself with the client or it doesn't seem like the right fit for you, then they kind of self-select out. So this is just a, another example of thinking about a marketplace business as opposed to us commanding control of uh, who's accepting work or not. And then, of course, we look at things like if you get low ratings from a bunch of clients, but they still take your work, then we'll keep an eye on you. And uh, if you're doing a lot of great work and people are accepting you, we'll try to put you into larger programs where you have more access to work. Right. Yeah. So in terms of um, where the freelancing landscape going beyond just the freelance writer, right? Um, how is the, um, I would say, freelancing landscape that you see in um, the United States now and also going forward? Is it like a growing, exploding industries, you know? Or is it something like you think it has actually fairly uh, reached its peak, right, in where the industry is supposed to be? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm going to break that down in a couple of ways. So, so I started working in the freelancer marketplace world 17 years ago, it was just kind of starting and I have watched it bloom. The first wave is very different from where we are now. So the first wave was a lot of commoditized labor like Uber, like call center agents who are reading scripts um, where it wasn't as important what your skill set was. So it was much more, can we find types of work where we can give to freelancers that are less focused on skill? And now, so I think the big wave is they say that 50% of the U.S. is going to have freelance jobs 
by 2030. Like that's yeah. soon. That's, that's an incredible trend, which means this is the way that people are going to work. And so I don't think it's stopping. I think what's in, what's going to change is it's going to be a lot of different nuanced types of skills. Like, so in our world, that's we have much more specialized writers. We have health writers. We have finance writers. It's going to be much more focused on how do you get higher paying gigs and turn them into a um, uh, a source of opportunity where you stand out. And it's uh, the marketplaces are competing for great talent, and the marketplaces that have the best talent are going to stand out. As opposed to right now, it's much more focused on there's two types of freelancers. When you think of it in the United States, the way we most Americans will think of Uber, where people's are part of the machine. Like it doesn't matter. <laughs> the car could drive itself and the human doesn't matter. And the other piece of it is you have like a matching marketplace, like a like a like a upwork or a Craigslist, where you find somebody, you meet them, but the work doesn't get done on the platform and there's no way to tell who's good or not. So I really think what we're part of Verblio is, is a wave of companies that have started and are only going to increase of companies focusing on, focusing on specific work types with very with much more skilled freelancers. Uh, and I think it's just going to keep growing. So I don't even know what's going to happen to traditional jobs and things of that nature. It feels like half of our company is, uh, is our freelancers as well. Mm. Right, right. So that is actually quite similar. I would say uh, in, in Singapore or in where we are from, right? Um, I think our trend probably lagged behind the US, right? Probably by five or maybe even 10 years in terms of the development of the landscape. But one of the greatest challenge that uh, we see, right, in this, um, while we are trying to develop this uh, freelance landscape here is really the protection of the workers, the definition of freelancers. So I'm just wondering is, if, if that is the same thing, right, in, in the United States as well. I mean, how do you Thing, or how is the freelancers' rights, right, as well as their protections um, mm -hmm. are being covered in this whole um, growth stories of uh, freelancing? Yeah, so, so freelancer contract law is really complicated and has been going on for a long time. It was one of the things we most focused on starting in 2004 when I was at the, the, the freelancer call center company called LiveOps. Um, there was a lot of questions to work out. I think... You know, California just went through the most interesting law, which was basically the state of California wanted to impose regulation that said every Uber driver was a was an employee. And that has massive implications. Uber just doesn't work as a model. And most freelancers wouldn't. The reason the freelance models work is we it matches it better matches supply and demand. There is a certain amount of freelance labor when supply when demand is high, you can match it with the right number of people. And I'll give an example from the call center world. So in call centers in, in the U.S., there's a law that basically is kind of like eight hours is a normal workday. And if you go over that, there's like overtime pay, so you have to pay more. But generally, if you're call, hiring a call center agent, you have to hire them for eight straight hours. But everybody only calls. The clients only want to call you as a company at lunchtime and right before dinner time. And so... <laughs> If you're a company, you want call center agents at lunch and dinner. You don't want them to just all sit around. So your choice is to have way too many people and have great service, and then you're, you have too much cost, or way too few people and terrible service. But there's no answer unless you use something really clever like a marketplace solution. Um, and so 
the law in California was over was overthrown by the voters. They didn't want the contractors to be seen as employees. And I think what's going to happen state by state, everyone's going to reckon with this is more if 50% of the economy is focused on freelancers, then there has to be some level of oversight, um, especially because there's a lot of bad actors in marketplaces. It's known historically where it started from is this is the place where you get paid the worst. <laughs> and I think that needs to change and we're trying to change it. But uh, and I think a lot of, uh, of other good actors are. Um, and I think what it's going to come down to is are you treating people fairly and are they really freelancers, meaning that they have their choice of what they work on. You're not telling them where to work, when to work, how to work. You can give them incentives, but they're truly a freelancer. Um, and if you are breaking those laws and treating them like an employee, but not paying them like that, I am sure that the right laws are eventually going to come up. But right now they're just, it's like caveman days of regulation. Nothing works because we haven't figured out how sophisticated the laws need to be to make it work. But I do, not only do I think there will be, I think there should be much more regulation. It just has to be smart. It has to be nuanced and has to enable businesses to grow and freelancers to grow. We also hear a lot of uh, responses from um, the US freelancers as well about how they think that this particular uh, regulation will actually um, diminish in that sense the value right, of being uh, a freelancer, of being your own boss, right. But having said that, what do you think are some of the key success, right, um, that will lead to a, uh, a, a good freelancers in that sense? What are some of the, um, you know, over your years of dealing with freelancers, do you see some common success factors, um, you know, that, that a freelancers can, can try to implement to ensure that they actually have a more sustainable career in running their business? That's a great question. Um, uh, it is actually really similar for our great call center agent and great writers and great video producers. Pretty much at every level that I've seen is that it's very similar to what makes a great employee, which is you commit a certain amount of time to it. So it's not kind of when you're thinking about doing but like, this is my block. Our best writers are like, we write from eight to, you know, four, I don't, whatever their time is, they just always write during that time. They put on their clock and they make it happen. They hustle. So they are looking through the system. Every marketplace is going to have the places where there's potential for you to see an opportunity where other people might not be seeing an opportunity for work. And this happened even with the car services with Uber, where they found out that driving at late at night and really early in the morning was a great place to make money. Um, there are certain clients, you know, we can't, we can't watch over a thousand clients and tell you that that which ones are going to be the great opportunities, but our best writers, they know exactly which ones are going to be great for them. They just see it in there and we're trying to capture that. And the third level is, is creating your own niche of skill set. So you don't, the challenges you don't, it, the hard, the more closer you are to a commodity of something that everybody else could do, the harder you are, it's going to be to get work and to make sure you get consistent good work and the pay doesn't keep going down. So I think that the, the challenge is when you're at a company, it's really easy to see when you need to keep building your skills. You see three people next to you who are product managers and they all studied more product and they went ahead of you, then you're going to study that. But as a freelancer, it's harder to see it. So continually developing your skills, like at my company, if you're a digital marketing specialist and a writer, you're going to find a lot of work. So look where all of our work is and think, huh, maybe I should get a certificate about that and, uh, and look for more education. 
because I think it's going to be really hard to keep figuring out um, how to improve and where to, how to keep sharpening your skills in the new economy. Okay, thank you so much, Steve. So if you enjoy our show, do let us know by clicking the like button or leave a comment below. Right, subscribe and hit the bell button so that you won't miss out on our next interview and join our Creative at Words community on Facebook and Instagram. And of course, do check out our Valio if you are interested to join the platform. Right, so until then, bye everyone and have an awesome week ahead. Thanks, Jess. Thank you, Steve. Thank you so much for all the sharing, Steve.